There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends. But who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Welcome to the Health Essentials Podcast, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic. I'm your host, Deanna Pogorels. Now, as summer winds down and the coronavirus is still circulating in our communities, there's no doubt that this back-to-school season is going to look a lot different. Whether it's kids going back to school and wearing masks and social distancing in their classrooms or doing schoolwork online from home. All of these changes can be really tough on kids and on parents and caregivers, too. Here to help us navigate these stressful and uncertain times is Dr. Ethan Benor. Dr. Benor is a psychologist and head of the Center for Pediatric Behavioral Health here at Cleveland Clinic. Welcome, Dr. Benor. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. And to our listeners, please remember that this is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace your own physician's advice. So Dr. Benor, can we start a little bit by talking about how the last school year ended with kids shifting to virtual learning because of the pandemic and what consequences have you seen or do you anticipate seeing as the result of more kids doing virtual learning? Sure, it's it's a great question. So the end of the last school year clearly was not what we expected. And you know, to put it in perspective, I think it's important um, that people remember this was an urgent response that the state and the school system had for um, our ability to try to mitigate or reduce the spread or surge of COVID-19 when we really didn't have as much time to prepare and we also um, were trying our best to protect our healthcare providers um, due to a shortage of supplies. And so I give a, a lot of credit both to our state and to our schools to do the best that they can in the short time that they have. That being said, um, it was a very uncertain time for individuals. Um, the way that we taught children was not ideal. Um, and now, five months later, uh, there's concern um, that there's going to be a, a lack of gain or even a regression of some skills in children. A lot of children uh, either had to um, do a lot of work online or do a lot of worksheets. They had less time with teachers and, and their parents. They may have had uh, less time with parents as well as parents were trying to figure out uh, what they were going to do for themselves and for their family during this time. And does the lack of uh, socialization with classmates and teachers and even the lack of structure, uh, what kind of effects can those have on kids? So um, it can have a very large effect on children. Children respond very well when things are ordered and predictable. And so um, while it may have seemed wonderful to have an extended spring break, um, that extended sense of not knowing what was going to happen next or next week um, can be very anxiety-provoking for children. Um, also, uh, children look to their uh, parents and other adults uh, for a, a sense of security. And when the other adults don't seem to know what's going on, it's also anxiety-provoking for children. So uh, I think that that whole uncertainty um, was very tough. Uh, we were able to make it through the summer. 
Um, but children, I think, have really suffered from lack of access to um, their playmates. Um, a lot of kids, I think about young kids who don't have as much ability to um, see some of their other friends. Uh, social gatherings have been cut short. Um, everything has been virtual, it feels like. Um, for older kids, for teenagers, you know, socialization um, and some of their sports teams are, are really a, a source of identity um, for them. And so to not be able to be a part of a team or be a part of a group um, is really impactful for um, their own identity and um, self-esteem. Now, every school district and state is a little bit different in how they've made decisions about what's going to happen this coming year. And I know some schools are leaving it up to parents to decide whether to send their children back for in-person classes or to keep them at home to avoid exposure to the virus. And that seems like a really tough decision to make. Um, if there are parents who are still kind of weighing the pros and cons of each, what are some of the things that they should consider? Sure, so um, first off, you know, my heart goes out to the parents. I'm a parent of school children as well. Um, it is a tough decision, uh, again, because of the uncertainty. What psychologists often recommend uh, for any type of anxiety is to try to reduce uncertainty prov by providing information. So the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has wonderful information on their websites. I would strongly encourage parents to go to that website. There's a lot of information written just for you. Um, so that you can understand what's happening with the virus and what's happening uh, with school so you can prepare best for school. The American Academy of Pediatrics has put out similar information. There's also a website, healthychildren.org, that's managed by the American uh, Academy of Pediatrics. Uh, those are excellent resources for parents. Again, the more knowledge you have, uh, the less uh, uncertainty or anxiety you will feel, and I think the better you'll be able to support your children. The um, other thing that I would recommend about getting information is I would go to trusted sites. I would not go uh, just to uh, what your neighbors are saying or what's being posted on Twitter. Um, please go to trusted sites for information about what's happening. Your school systems have to follow uh, these guidelines as well as state mandates, and any questions that you have Schools have been really good. They've, again, they've had time now uh, to do a lot of research and a lot of preparation. And so they're able to answer most of the questions that you have. So please reach out to your, schools, your school systems as well. Yeah, so for kids who have learning challenges or struggle with anxiety or ADHD, um, is there any other considerations for those parents as well in terms of whether their children might do better at school or at home? Yeah, I, so um, for children who have um, any kind of um, specialized needs, whether it's, whether it's ADHD, whether it's a learning disability, whether it's autism, whether it's giftedness, um, in, you know, in a typical school setting, we have um, modifications or accommodations that are provided for them. So I would reach out to your school, I would reach out to your school psychologist and identify what kind of accommodations can be provided for your child this year. We, we all are making accommodations and sacrifices to get through this year. One, to try to prevent uh, continuing spread of COVID, but also to try to get back to um, as much normalcy as we can and to facilitate the academic growth of our kids. 
The other thing that I would recommend for parents though is this is gonna be a year for you guys to step up and assist um, with your child's education. Um, the school is gonna do the best that they can, but anything that you can do to also facilitate your child's education is gonna be important. Read to your child, read with your child, talk about um, historical events with your child, do math with your child, um, play board games with your child to increase some socialization as well as applying some of these skills. But really, uh, as best of you as you can, be active in your child's education this year. And again, if you have special needs for your child, talk with the school and figure out what the school is gonna be doing and then what you can do as parents so that they don't um, suffer any further or unnecessarily uh, from accommodations or modifications that will be going on this year. Yeah, so on the other hand of having to make that decision, I know some states or districts have also decided either to proceed with in-person classes or distance learning or some combination of the two. So I'm wondering, you know, when parents aren't given a choice, that choice is made for them, is that more stressful or less stressful? And are there ways that we can deal with those decisions being made for us that we might not necessarily agree with? Sure. Um, so whether it's more or less stressful, I think depends on the person. Um, it is very difficult making these decisions. And so, um, again, I, I, I feel for all of the administrators who have to make the decisions about what is best for um, preventing spread of COVID-19, as well as what is best for educating schools or educating kids uh, in this uh, in current climate that we're in. Um, so um, it is, um, some people may struggle from not having a sense of control and making the decision themselves. And again, if, if that's the case, I would encourage ask as much information so you have a good understanding for why the schools made the decision that they did. Again, they did not make these decisions lightly. So ask. Um, second, if um, some people may have uh, more anxiety or nervousness about making the decision. There's, there's several schools, we were just on a school board meeting last night, there are several schools that are providing different options for people and sometimes making the decision is difficult. And again, seek as much information as you can, go to reputable sources, contact the schools, ask the questions um, so that you feel comfortable making the best decision that you can with the information that we currently have available. Knowing that this situation is evolving, you have to give yourself some level of, of um, forgiveness and compassion um, that we're doing our best in the current situation. How do we go about explaining some of these nuances to kids, you know, that maybe their friends in a different district might not be going back to school or might be doing something different and their cousins, and um, how do we explain this to them in a way that makes sense and is not overwhelming? Sure, no, it's a great question. So, one way uh, that I think is important is to create a, a narrative or a story. And um, so just a plausible story that a child can easily understand. Oftentimes less words is better than more. So if you need to practice uh, before speaking with your child, I think that that's very helpful. Um, one of the things that's important is to try to explain to your child what will be the same and then add what will be different. So you will be returning in this example, you will be returning to the same school, you will be riding the same bus, you will, you know, 
Um, Jasmine will get on the bus with you um, just like before and you'll go to the same school. What will be different? You will be wearing a mask. You will be using hand sanitizer. You will be asked to wash your hands very frequently. Um, you're gonna be doing lunch and gym class maybe a little bit differently. Um, but if you can provide that kind of just plausible story first, and again, um, short or less words usually is better so that kids have an opportunity to just digest what you're telling them and then wait. And usually afterwards, the child will ask relevant questions as they're trying to piece together a story in their own mind about what to expect. And then between that dialogue uh, between you and the child, you can start to construct really what your child can picture in his or her mind as they are returning to school. That's great. So for kids who are going to have some kind of virtual learning component in their schedule for the fall, um, I want to ask you about screen time because I know when we talk about kids and technology, we talk about the importance of putting healthy limits and boundaries on screen time. And I, this situation kind of blurs the lines a little bit. Does, do you think virtual learning should count towards screen time limits or how should parents think about um, navigating that when kids are doing some of their schoolwork online? It, it's, uh, again, this is, this is an opportunity for parents uh, to be uh, a little bit compassionate with themselves and, and forgiving of the school system as well. This is tough. We are a very digital um, society right now and so much is happening online. And so while there are recommendations um, to limit the number of hours that a child is online, um, that is very difficult when so much of the child's activities are also limited as well. So the guiding principle I would use is, is what is um, safe uh, for the child from a health standpoint and what also um, can help the child with academic development, social development, emotional development. And so if the screen time is being used for any of those purposes, whether it's, uh, whether it's a, a classroom uh, that they're participating in, whether it is a, a worksheet that they're completing online, whether it's, it's just a, a, a social group that they're connecting with, those can all be um, healthy for a child, despite the fact that they may go over the, you know, the, the, the predetermined hour limit that you had for your child. Um, things that I would be cautious about is um, your child spending endless hours um, looping through videos or endless hours um, playing through video games where they're not getting any physical activity, they're not getting any social activity, they're not working on academics. Those are times where I think as a parent, um, you can step in and try to set some limits. The important thing to think about though, um, especially given the current climate that we're in right now, is what are you gonna replace it with? And so encourage your child to read a book and then talk about that book with your child. Go outside um, and play with your child or encourage your child to do some type of um, physical activity and then find ways to praise or reinforce your child for doing something else um, that doesn't involve electronics. Yeah, so kind of piggybacking on your earlier comment about parents giving themselves some grace in this time. Um, I know that the parent-child relationship is often much different than a teacher-student relationship and for parents who have kind of been thrust into this role um, and don't necessarily feel like they make a great teacher when it comes to distance learning. Do you have any tips to help parents kind of manage this role that they're being asked to take? Yes, so I'm glad you started with talking about grace. Um, <laughs> right, we're not, we're not teachers. And, and one of the benefits of um, 
utilizing our school, whether it's in-person or whether it's virtual, is these are trained educators. They, they, they spent several years learning how to do this. And so um, it's, it's often unsettling and a little, a little anxiety provoking or overwhelming for parents when they have to sit down um, and be the teacher for their child. A couple of things that I would think about. Number one, um, I, I would use time and place to structure the situation. So if your child is working from home, have a set office space or desk space that they work from so that it's easy for them to shift to student mode, for you to shift to instructor mode. Um, have set times that they're working. Again, so, so you don't have to be the teacher and the parent at the same time. The other is, you know, have conversations with your child that um, we're learning this together and my job is to facilitate and to help you, but I, I may not know all of the answers. Um, again, allow your child to have a little bit of um, patience uh, and, and compassion in this time as well. It is going to be frustrating. And if we're not mindful uh, about that level of frustration, that can lead to, um, more conflict between children and parents, um, whether it's related to school or whether it's related to, to other issues at the current time. So some reports have come out recently showing an increase in cyberbullying during the COVID-19 pandemic um, with more kids spending more time online. What should parents be on the lookout for when it comes to cyberbullying? What are some of the signs, um, different behaviors they might see? So, um, whether it's cyberbullying, whether it's um, an increase in anxiety or depressed mood, I think it's important for parents to pay attention to their child right now. And, and I say this because it's not just children that are going through this situation. So I fully understand that parents may be struggling with issues at work, um, issues with other family members, issues with um, their marriage maybe. Um, it is a stressful time, but pay attention to your child. Things to be on the lookout for would be um, um, one uh, would be uh, any increase in reports of pain. So I, um, you know, I've been saying to other people, we're going to have more stomach aches and more headaches currently. Physical complaints are often a sign that children are developing more stress. So take that as an opportunity to then talk with the child about what they're experiencing. Other things would be changes in uh, behavior such as more irritable um, or cranky more withdrawn or sullen. Um, pay attention if your child is spending much more time in their room. Again, for some children that can be developmentally appropriate, but if you notice it as a sudden change, um, please keep on the lookout for that. Look for changes in eating habits, um, whether they're um, uh, eating much more frequently or frequently going after um, the wrong foods, what we might call stress eating. Um, whether they're sleeping inappropriately, so um, staying up very, very late at night and unable to sleep, um, sleeping during the day. Sometimes children will actually use sleep as a way to avoid uh, a social stressor, just like social um, withdrawal. Um, so any of those situations are a good opportunity just to check in with your child. And one thing I would think about um, when you're checking in with your child, you know, a, a lot of parents and a lot of TV shows uh, have um, these, these little huddles, these sideline huddles between parents and children. And I think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. So please do that with your children periodically throughout the day. Many parents wait to do it just at bedtime um, to say, how was your day? Um, sleep it off, it'll be better tomorrow. 
I really encourage you to have these conversations earlier with your children so they can process any stress, process any emotions, end the day feeling much better, much more relieved, uh, much more on top of whatever stress the day presented with themselves. Okay, so I want to shift a little bit and talk about, you know, parents of kids who are going back to school either for that first day or on a delayed start, but are actually going back for in-person classes. And you talked a little bit about how to prepare for that, how to talk to your child. Um, but can we talk a little bit more about some of the things that might be asked of children when they go back to school, like, for example, wearing a mask? Um, how do we explain to them, you know, why they need to wear one and um, encourage compliance with some of these measures? Sure. Um, and, and there's been a lot of um, public discussion about this as well, which is why I think it's important to have your own family discussion. So um, there are rules that will apply to everybody, and then there are rules that families decide um, that apply just to them. And so oftentimes you may say, yes, what, what um, the Johnsons are, overdue, are doing over there works for the Johnsons. We're not the Johnsons, so we're going to do it our way. Um, when you're talking about rules, especially rules that are mandated, so state mandates or rules for restaurants or rules for schools, um, it's important uh, to introduce uh, these as um, hard and fast rules that we're expected to follow. And again, putting it in context to something that the child can relate to. When you ride in a car, you have to wear a seatbelt. It is the state law. When, when we're out in public or in certain restaurants, there, there is no smoking. And these are um, in certain areas, there's no cell phone when you're in a car. And these are newer laws that have come up recently that people struggled with at first until we got used to them. And so teaching children to understand that, yes, it's a little bit uncomfortable and unsettling because it's new, but it's there for your safety. It's there for the safety of others. We're going to follow this rule um, for those purposes. And then go over specifically um, what the child should be expected to do. So where, when, and how um, to wear the mask is gonna be important. Um, making sure that your child know, and so practice with your child, demonstrate for your child, practice with your child, reinforce when your child is doing it. Same thing goes with hand washing. There's some great videos out there about the appropriate way um, to hand wash, which is um, very helpful in times like this. Um, using hand sanitizer and when to use hand sanitizer is gonna be very helpful. Talk about it openly with your children, and you'll know you're doing a good job because your child will catch you um, when you slip up as well. So it's, it's um, but those specific behaviors I would go over. Okay, and then I know another challenging part is going to be, you know, kind of the social distancing and not just running up and hugging their friends on the first day of school. Um, right. You know, how can we show compassion for kids um, with all of that? So, you know, another thing, um, uh, in, in line with compassion is, is we're going to make mistakes. And so, you know, it's, these are not um, um, specific rules that children need to be um, penalized or, you know, you need to go to the penalty box um, because you hugged your friend. Um, it's a teaching moment. And um, so a little bit of compassion if that happens. But one of the things that's important, and this was initially brought up um, uh, way back in March and April was trying to find replacement behaviors. So whether you're bumping elbows, whether you're air fiving, it doesn't really matter as long as it kind of adheres to those rules. And so what I like about that is um, people are trying to have some fun with this. And I think kids will start to develop their own kind of 
fun replacement behaviors so that they can have appropriate greetings uh, with their friends. Great, and is there anything else that we should be doing to prepare kids for going back to school, um, to physical school for, for in-class teaching? Um, there's a couple of things that, that I, I've been thinking about. Um, one thing that as a psychologist I often talk about with individuals is just kind of your, your attitude or your state of mind. And so for parents, really with the school, the attitude that I would recommend is to be patient, but also to focus on collaboration, that you two are working together to help your child. So it is not a, a me against you kind of situation here. It is just um, two different groups working together um, for the same goal. Um, with other parents, um, be supportive of other parents, um, but also be respectful. Some people may have their own rules that are a little bit different than yours. Um, and with kids, again, we've mentioned this already, but please be compassionate. Um, remember, in this situation, they're just kids. So they, they understand this um, less than you, and they have even less control of this situation than you. So, so please consider that as um, you're working with your children. Um, with children, um, when you check in with your child, uh, there's a couple of um, tips that I usually tell parents. Um, rule number one I tell parents is just listen. Just be quiet, listen to your child. After that, validate the emotion. Um, I'm sorry that you're feeling sad, angry, frustrated. Um, reassure them uh, and then start to problem solve with them on what they could do to help the situation get better or what you're gonna do to help respond um, to, uh, to your child. And then I think you talked about this a little bit already, but maybe we can reiterate some of the signs that things aren't going peachy for your kid. We know when they go back to school and some of those signs that uh, maybe there's some anxiety or stress that needs to be addressed. Yes, again, so and it's a great time when you're having those conversations with the child um, to really pay attention uh, to any, any words that they say. Um, but again, sometimes children really struggle understanding their own emotions. So pay attention to how they're talking about the situation. Pay attention uh, to their behaviors. Um, you'll, you know your child, and so you'll know if your child is, is acting more sullen than usual, acting more restless than usual, more um, irritable or, or snappy or sassy towards you than normal. Those are all indications that something else is under the surface and it's a good idea just to pause and have a nice conversation with your child and see if you can get to the heart of it. Then look for the resources that are out there for support. Have there been any positives to this whole situation? So it, it, that's a really good question. Um, you know, again, this was unsettling for all of us and, and yet um, when the, the world um, shut down for a while, it gave families and individuals time. And it's been really interesting to look at how individuals have spent that time. So many families have just had more time to connect. They haven't been pulled out, uh, whether it be to work, whether it be to professional sporting events, whether it be to restaurants. People are spending less time actually in commutes and so having this time has been um, positive for some families. And I think it's important to look at that and see what you can learn from that to continue using as, as we move into this next stage uh, of living with COVID. So uh, there's been many more people that have been um, uh, 
playing games with their children, whether it's board games, um, whether it's uh, putting together puzzles. Many more children and adults have gotten back into arts and crafts and then sharing uh, these with each other. Um, when you have less interruptions from, from life, you have more opportunities to focus on some of these, these other tasks that maybe were, were lower on your priority list. There's, there's a lot more uh, flexible time that people have learned to uh, create so that they can be with their family when they want to be or when they can be. Um, kids, I think, have had a little bit better sleep because they've been able to flex their schooling a little bit more and haven't had to wake up um, at six o'clock to get onto a bus. Um, and for some children, when there is some, some social stressors, they've had an opportunity to take a break from some of that. All of these things are positive, uh, even though uh, it's not the way that we wanted to get to these. I think the, the lesson for families is to pay attention what positive changes uh, they've enacted since, uh, since we've moved into this uh, new lifestyle um, and see as we move forward how they can still maintain some of those as you move back to getting back to work, getting back to school, getting back to sports. How can you still capture some of this important positive time that you did have, either with yourself or with your child? Great, well, this has been fantastic. Are there any last words of wisdom or advice that you want to leave um, our parents with? Um, you know, the, the, the one, when I think about uh, a narrative, um, as I was talking about before for children, um, the one thing that I, I would think about uh, explaining to your child is this, this will not last forever but it will last for a while. It will last for several more months. Uh, the initial plan of waiting in our homes um, was working, uh, but we need to shift to a, a new plan so that you can live and grow and go to school and um, socialize as appropriately, but live in a world with COVID-19 right now. And in, until we have improved treatments um, or vaccines, it's important for us to follow these rules um, from uh, our, our leaders um, and our, our scientists and medical professionals, but to follow these rules, to take the responsibility um, to keep ourselves and, and our society um, as safe as possible as we move forward to what we hope will be um, functioning as normal as possible. Great, well, thank you so much, Dr. Benor, for being here today. And if you'd like to schedule an appointment with Cleveland Clinic, Center for Pediatric Behavioral Health, call 216-444-KIDS. For more podcasts with our Cleveland Clinic experts, visit clevelandclinic.org slash HEPodcasts. And for more health tips, news, and information, follow at Cleveland Clinic, one word, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for joining us. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.